Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. Let's join Pastor Greg Scalzo as he continues the Heavenly Authority series. Last time we read about the Queen of Sheba coming to Jerusalem to see for herself the fame of Solomon. As it says in 1 Kings 10.1, the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. And then chapter 10 of 1 Kings goes on to describe Solomon's great wealth and this golden age of Israel. And remember, we've seen Solomon's heart in the right place. We've seen him as a young man, desiring understanding to judge the people the right way, and that God gives him wisdom exceedingly, and also God gives him riches and honor, so that, as it says in 1 Kings 3.13, the Lord tells him, there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So the wealth and prosperity he receives is a blessing from God, just as the wisdom and the understanding. And there is a good beginning to this young King Solomon. But now we've moved on in his life. We saw the marriage to Pharaoh's daughter, which was highly questionable and dubious. And even though there's a good beginning, it's important to remember it's not just how you start. It's important how you finish. How do we end the race? Too many times we will hold on to the trophies as believers that we have, the victories we've had in the past. But it's how you finish the race that determines if you win the prize. I want to review with you a moment Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 14. When you come to the land which the Lord Yahweh your God is giving you, and possess it, and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, and that's exactly what they did with Samuel, right? They wanted a king. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. But he shall not, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself lest his heart turn away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted 
not lifted above his brethren. That's one of the problems of authority, right? People are in control, they have power, they have position, and they get their hearts lifted up. They think they're better than their brethren, the people they serve. That he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left hand, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Now, that's very clear. Very clear instructions for the king, which God foreknows the people will cry out for. And as we read 1 Kings chapter 10, and we read about this tremendous kingdom that Solomon has, you have to ask yourself the question, the riches, God is blessing him. It's part of the blessing of God to, to give him prosperity, give him a position, give him a place that the kings of the nations around would say, here is really some kingdom and be drawn to it, just like the Queen of Sheba comes. And we're going to read other kings will come to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. But you have to ask yourself, is Solomon overdoing it? Is he accumulating the wealth a little too much? Is he setting up his splendor a little too high? Look at uh, chapter 10, verse 14. The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was, now remember a talent is 75 pounds. One talent is 75 pounds. The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. 666 talents of gold. You know, when the scripture repeats something twice, you should take a care to note it. In 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 13, the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. And remember, just one talent is 75 pounds. That's a lot of gold. And that number we know as the number of man from the book of Revelation and the Antichrist kingdom. And I suspect here that Solomon is starting to go beyond the blessing that God gave to him. God blessed him with wealth, blessed him with security, blessed him with position and riches. But let's read on and see. Verse 15, besides that, from traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, from the governors of the country, and King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. Then he made 300 shields of hammered gold. Three miners of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps, six steps. And the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver. For this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. 
Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God put into his heart. And I believe all these kings coming to listen to the wisdom of Solomon starts this wisdom literature that you see also then in the pagan nations in their writings. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. Also, Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Keva. Now a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver, and a horse 150. And thus, through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. He had horses imported, all types of horses coming from Egypt, which was one of the things we just read in Deuteronomy 17 they were not to do. The kings were not to gather horses to themselves. They were not to gather gold and silver to themselves. And they were not to gather wives to themselves. And you have to say, is this just God's blessing or is this excessiveness, the 666 talents of gold that he would receive every year? It's important how we start the race, but it's even more important how we end the race, that we win the prize. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3. This is after he has gone out and evangelized so many places and started so many churches. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. All he did before, he didn't rest on, he didn't brag about it. Instead, he doesn't count himself as having apprehended, but one thing, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Temperate. That might be a good word for what Solomon needed. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, 
but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, Proverbs, I myself should become disqualified. Paul understood, and probably understood from the lesson of Solomon, it's not all the great writings, it's not all the great work that's been done, it's not all the great wisdom. In his case, it's not even all the people that have come into a knowledge of Jesus Christ and salvation through his ministry. You have to run the race and finish it. Finish the race to win the prize. And we have the wonderful Holy Spirit anointed book of Proverbs. We have the wonderful Holy Spirit anointed Song of Solomon. And hopefully in a few minutes we'll see the book of Ecclesiastes. But Proverbs and Song of Solomon probably came from his younger years. God used Solomon in a mighty, powerful way to draw the nations, to lift up Israel, and to give us wisdom even for today. And what do we read in 1 Kings chapter 11? In my new King James, the first word is, but. It's a sad word, but. But. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. You can find more Bible study programs on the Shi'ar Jeshub website at www.shiarjeshub.org. You'll also find commentaries written by Pastor Greg. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B dot O-R-G. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jeshub, and may the Lord Jesus bless you as you serve him.